the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And what it does is it conforms itself not to what we want, but to what they need. It seeks to meet the needs of others. It takes timing, people, and need into consideration. Proverbs says this in, verse, in chapter 15, 23, to make an apt answer, to make a well-timed, appropriate answer is a joy to a man. Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We're so thankful that you've joined us for today's program. On today's broadcast, we'll be picking back up in Ephesians chapter 4 with part 2 of Pastor Keith's message entitled, Gospelized Speech. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. It's sort of the Hippocratic oath of gospelized speech. If there are any medical doctors here or medical professionals, the Hippocratic oath was the vow that doctors took in the ancient times, in ancient Greek times. And one of the first principles they learned was to do no harm. That's sort of a passive thing. This verse is kind of the passive thing. Do no harm when you speak. But now we go from passive to active. We go to our second characteristic. We go from not just avoiding stinking speech, rotten speech, hurtful speech that causes a stink. We go from passive to active. Characteristic number two of gospelized speech is this. Your speech should not tear down. It should build up. Your speech should not tear down. It should build up. Where do you see that? You see that in verse 29b. B is in boy. What does it say? First we have, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but, and that but there functions as an instead or a contrast. In contrast, only such a word as is good for building up. We want to build up, not tear down. There is no right to be rude in God's economy. We want to, the good news, and no pun intended, is that gospelized speech is just the opposite of weaponized speech. One hurts, one heals. And so we see this, again, back in Proverbs fifteen seven, The lips of the wise spread knowledge. They build up. Not so the heart of the fools. You don't, in God's economy, you don't shout people down at a symposium on speech because you don't want to hear what they have to say. We go back to Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It builds up. It doesn't tear down. It restores. And this is the kind of speech that people don't expect. When you're mistreated, persecuted, insulted, or somebody just cuts you off in traffic. 
they expect something different. I was over um, by uh, uh, a Keys, the restaurant over uh, in downtown, and I was walking uh, towards the restaurant, and somebody cut in front of somebody in the car, and you know what he did? He stopped, and he goes, I am so sorry. And the guy gets out of the car and goes, I bet you are. And you know, he, you know, and, he, and you know what? He didn't push back. This is it. The tongue of the wise brings healing. It cools things off like a bucket of water. It's not corrupting. This is the kind of speech that makes people look at you. Somebody treats you badly and you don't react, but you respond in an edifying, encouraging, building up. Well, you know, I'm so sorry I cut you off in track. By the way, it wasn't me, but you know. I cut you off in traffic. I'm so sorry. I really appreciate the fact you didn't hit me. I I should have been hit. I mean, the way I cut you off. I mean, you know, thanks. You're a great driver. You know, I mean, you know, whatever. Proverbs 25, 12 says this. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. How does that work? Well, you see, edifying speech isn't always happy-go-lucky speech. You know, it's building up speech can be, I hate to use the word critical, can be, constri- you know, people use the word constructive criticism like people use love in the 60s and the 70s, right? It meant anything to anybody. But, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't say difficult things. But let me tell you this. You ever met one of those people? There's a guy I know. His name is Dave Jones. He can tell you the most painful truths about yourself, and make you like it, okay? He, he has a winsome way about him. He headed up the counseling department at the church I served in recently in Rialto, and he could deliver the good news and the bad news in a way that people really liked and appreciated. That's edifying speech because his speech was never, ever weaponized. And, you know, when you do a lot of counseling, sometimes people don't like what you're saying, and they say unkind things to you. And Dave would always respond in an encouraging, edifying way. He was a wise reprover. And you know what? When you, when, you, when you don't engage in stinking speech, when you don't cause a stink, when you build people up, when you encourage people, you eventually gain the right to speak into their lives and to be a wise reprover. And you know what you get? You get a listening ear. You get a listening ear. And with gospelized speech is people see the difference in you day in and day out. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection. But they see this, they are more willing to listen to you. I met with a uh, missionary from Sierra Leone yesterday, who I think is going to be speaking at the ABFs next week. And he was the most amazing man, amazing stories. I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. But at one point, somebody had a pistol pointed at him and was about to kill him. And he told the guy that, that, you know, if you kill me, I'm going to have a place to go. I'm going to go to heaven because there are angels all around me and Jesus loves me and he's going to bring me home. But I worry about you. I love you. And I don't want to see that happen to you. That guy eventually came to Christ and is a church planter in Sierra Leone. The warlord guy that was going to kill him. Wise reprover. He didn't say, you kill me and you're going to, turn, you're going to burn, buddy. You know, it's true. But you know what I mean? That's not exactly edifying. And I tell you what, if someone, 
just me, you know, I'm not the bravest dude in the world, but if, somebody, if I'm staring down a barrel, I might want to be a little more, you know, winsome anyway, but yeah. But that's it. It's constructive speech. It's not destructive. You know what it is? It's other-oriented. You're more concerned about them. You're more concerned about God and your neighbor. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. We're other-oriented. We're not self-oriented. We are God and our neighbor-oriented. And we do what we do for the glory of God and the good of others. There's no venting. There's no making our voice heard. What we say is born out of love for God and love for others, not self-righteous self-love. Our speech cool things off. doesn't heat things up. We're not throwing gas in the fire. We're throwing water on it. It's calming speech, but only such as is good for building up. Characteristic three. Characteristic three. Your speech should be timely. Timely. I am hardwired to be one of those guys who opens my mouth and inserts my foot. I have a knack sometimes for not saying the right thing at the right time. And one of the things I'm having to learn and learn and learn and practice is the the timeliness of my speech. Your speech should be timely. Where do we see that? We see that in 29C. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Your speech should not cause a stink. But only such a word as is good for building up, for edification. And here it says, as fits the occasion. The New American Standard Translation translates this, according to the need of the moment. Your speech is well-timed. It takes into consideration, gospelized speech does, the needs of the people around you, the circumstances, the temperature or climate of the situation. And what it does is it conforms itself not to what we want, but to what they need, to what they really need to hear. And therefore, it doesn't cause a stink. It seeks to meet the needs of others. It takes timing, people, and need into consideration. Proverbs says this in, verse, in chapter 15, 23, to make an apt answer, to make a well-timed, appropriate answer, is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. How good it is. Proverbs 25.11 says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. They're beautiful. You know what they do? They turn heads. They make people stop, look, and listen. And and you know what? With that opportunity, you might get to turn a heart. You might have the opportunity to turn a heart toward Jesus because they look at you and you don't fit in. You stand out. You so let your light shine before men that they see your good works and bring glory to your Father who is in heaven. And you know what? This isn't just speech for evangelism. This is speech for mom and dadism. This is speech for husband and wifeism. This is speech for workerism and whatever kind of ism you 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 ism. Okay? <laughs> this is speech for all occasions. You want to transform your relationships? Gospelized speech. You know, your son can forget to cut the grass or 
getting a little fender bender, and you can say, you never do what I ask you to do. Really, never? Is that going to build him up? Is that going to cause a stink? Is that what he needed to hear as he looks at the bumper and you ponder your insurance rates? No. You see what I'm saying? You come home and, and you're, you, know, you have little bambinos and bambinas, you know, and your wife hasn't had an adult conversation all day long, and you come in and say, what's for dinner? You know? You know, or... Or whatever it is, you know, it's, not, it's the time. When they say timing is everything, there's a reason they say that. It's biblical. You see it right here in the passage, an apt word, fitly spoken. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't address problems. We talked about that a moment ago with the passage about the wise reprover. In fact, in Ephesians 4.26, almost right next door to 4.29, it says this, Be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's another aspect of timely speech. If there's a problem, deal with it. Don't cause a stink. Build them up. Make sure what you're doing is timely. Don't let a problem fester until it erupts the next day. So, I mean, this isn't just all about Pollyanna, happy, happy, happy speech. It's about real blocking and tackling, living, real-world, gospelized speech problem solution speech, relationship building speech, speech that deals with hard matters without causing a stink but meets a need. Let's talk about the fourth characteristic. Characteristic number four. Your speech seeks to benefit others. Gospelized speech as opposed to weaponized speech seeks to benefit others. Where do we see that? 429D, okay? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion. That, or actually it says, so that it may give grace to those who hear. Gospelized speech that turns heads and hearts towards Christ is always grace-filled, graceful, beneficial speech. There's no room for trash-talking athletes. There's no room for, oh, yeah. There's no room for little Marco. You know, it's all about grace-filled, not hateful speech. That whole thing at UMass was the way the world tries to solve problems. And what happens? You don't like what they say? You call them a bad name. But you want to give grace to those who hear. And in this passage, actually, it's interesting because, you know, I'm from the South, right? You probably picked up the accent here and there. And somebody once told me, another Southerner, that we speak the holy language. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, and he actually, he used this verse as an example. You know, all the yous there are really y'alls, okay? See, the, the, the super efficiency of Southern speak is this. When you say you, it could be you there or those people back, you all back there. When we say it's you, you right here, or y'all, okay? What's going on here is a plural. And really, in, in the sense of this passage, is it gives grace to all who hear. And the, the, the greater sense is to all who overhear. Not just the person you're talking to, but you all. And what this really has to do with the fact is that we do, you know, we do, particularly after 9-11, live in a surveillance culture, right? 
the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, trapping emails, phone calls, texts, things like that. But the reality is, and I think I mentioned this when I was here the last time, Christians have always lived in a surveillance culture. People are always looking at us, whether it's Paul, you know, in, in the jail at Philippi, and he's singing songs, and the prisoners are listening to him. And he's praying and he's praising God. People know, you know, there is a void in men and women that is in the shape of God, and only God can fill it. And people try to fill it with money or, pe- or, or relationships or drugs or whatever, cars, whatever it is. But only God can satisfy. And people viscerally, in their heart of heart, soul of soul, in their gut, know that something's the matter if they don't have Christ. And they want desperately to know that somebody's got a handle on this. And with gospelized speech, as you interact with people around you in the workplace, in the classroom, and in the home, people hear it. And people are watching you. You may be talking to this person. You may be having a conflict or a confrontation with somebody. But your divine appointment isn't with them. It's with the people who are listening in in the next cubicle or in the next queue at the airport. And that's the kind of speech, gospelized speech, is the kind of speech that gives grace to all who hear, to all who overhear. It's a speech that giving grace, you know, grace is God's unmerited favor. It seeks to benefit others. It seeks to give back to others better than they gave to us. That's why it says in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Gospelized speech is forgiving speech. It isn't the return fire speech. It isn't one-upsmanship speech. It isn't weaponized speech. It isn't harsh. It isn't mean. It doesn't cause a stink. It doesn't tear down. It builds up. It's well-timed. And it gives to others better than they deserve. After all, we've received from God better than we deserve, right? None of us. None of us deserve Jesus Christ leaving the glories of heaven, coming to earth, and dying in our place on Calvary's cross. None of us deserve that. And so we have to be like him, imitators of God as dear children. We don't want to walk like the Gentiles. We don't want to walk like we used to walk. We want to put those things off, and we want to put off weaponized speech and put on gospel speech. And if you do that, you'll be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. So there's a lot here in this little verse. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. We want to give grace to those who hear. We want to cool the situation down, not heat it up. We want to help, not hurt. We want to heal. We want to redeem. We want to restore. So the question is, what can you do? Because if you're like me, this doesn't come natural, right? I was born dead in my sins and trespasses into a fallen world. And my visceral reflex prior to Christ, and even still some today, I'm still a work in progress, is not naturally. It is supernaturally gospelized speech. So let me just give you some suggestions for application. Number one, just ask yourself this question. When you're about to speak 
is what I'm about to say going to make matters better or worse? Is there any way that what I'm about to contribute to this is going to blow things up? Is it going to cause a stink? And if it is, maybe remain silent. Maybe look for a more opportune time. Ask yourself that question. Question number two, and this is all based on the outline. Will what I'm about to say build and strengthen people up or tear them down? Will it encourage or will it discourage? Question number three. Can it wait? Is now the time? Is it necessary that I even speak? Is it fitting? Is this what I'm about to say according to the need of the moment, the urgent, definite, real need of the moment? And number four, is what I'm going to say going to be pleasing to God and others? Is it going to benefit other people? Is it going to exalt God and bless others, particularly those who overhear? Now, let me encourage you because, you know what, this is no small, this is a tall order right here. But you know what, God never gives us a command that he doesn't intend us to keep. And that he won't empower and enable us to keep. And if you can learn a language, and all of us learned at least one, if you can learn code, if you can code, if you can program, if you can read music, if you can learn a song, you can learn to implement, to cultivate, and to apply gospelized speech to any situation that you face. And I just want to encourage you to take these four characteristics that I gave you and make them four practices. Now, as always, there is a problem. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not have the power or the ability or even the inclination to sustain these practices. It will be so much moralizing and self-help. It will be like I said before, Oprah and Dr. Phil. See, a lot of people come to church and they know about God, but they don't know God. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to be able to do this, if you're a Christian and dwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can do this. It won't be easy, but you can do it. But if you're not a Christian, it's just a bridge too far. You won't be able to sustain it. You won't even want to. But if you would like to be able to, let me encourage you to consider Christ. Because you need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ changes the direction of our lives as we turn from our sin, from our selfishness, from our weaponized speech, and turn toward God. And we put our confidence and our faith and our trust in him. It's called repentance. It's a change of mind that brings about a change of direction. And faith is confidence and trust. You're willing to trust him enough to surrender your rights, your will, your past, your present, and your future. Because you believe that he died for your son and that he was buried and he rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, he has demonstrated he is who he is. And he can do for you what he claims he can do for you. All you have to do is ask him. Jesus, save me. I've made a mess. I've done it my own way. I've lived apart from you. I've been my own God. 
be the captain of my ship. Take me where you want me to go. Just make me your child so that I can serve you, so that I can be with you forever. It's just a prayer. It's not so much the words or how you say them or how you pace them. God looks at the heart. He knows whether you're serious or not. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.